Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this live episode of Dane Baptiste Questions Everything from the Wilderness Festival. Before we get into it, we wanted to bring you some exciting news. That's right, Dane. We're doubling the DBQE content, and we're bringing you our answer to Prime Minister's Question Time, uh, PMQs, it's, it's DBQs, uh, but, you know, without all the absolute bollocks that they do in parliament and all the patronism and contempt for your intelligence audience dbqs will be bringing you a weekly roundup of the papers and what we really think about the mess that is our society well and who knows what else uh, someone might uh, attack someone uh, a really famous ceremony uh, <laughs> coming to you every friday uh, so make sure you like and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast to make sure you're the first to know but now let's get into the episode Hi, I'm Megan from Surrey, and my question is, why do Brits always moan about the weather? Okay, here comes the show, and remember, question everything. Please welcome to the stage, recording a live from Wilderness version of his podcast, Dane Baptiste! Hello everybody, and welcome to this live recording of Dane Baptiste Questions Everything! All right. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. A wonderful live recorded podcast with myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor, Dane Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer, who actually isn't here today. I know, but that's the bad news. The good news is he's just become a father for the second time. So the new baby. So he's doing daddy duties, and he also has a stomach bug that he believes it caught from his kid. I'm not convinced, but. We love you, Howard, and we miss you today. But we are going to still be joined by a very special mix of guests that pose the questions that need to be asked. And we're talking everything from this question from one of our listeners, Megan from Surrey, who asks, why do British people always moan about the weather? Now, I would say, you know, British people just like to be able to complain. We are very sensitive to the fact that we do live in a class-based hierarchy. So sometimes you want to reclaim the ability to kind of, you know, dissent. And also we're dealing with, currently dealing with a climatological crisis. So if you're complaining about the weather nowadays, you've got a good fucking reason. So, um, yeah, so that's the kind of questions that we like to ask on this podcast. No question is too stupid or too highbrow or too broad or too expansive to discuss. And no question is, I guess, too windy. Well, in any case, if you do like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or you can listen to us on Spotify and you will never miss an episode. We can hear all of the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, I would like to introduce you guys to today's guest. He is a Bristolian comedian and the winner of So You Think You're Funny Award, which he did at just the tender age of 19 years old. Remember 19? My goodness, those are the days. Since then, he has taken a UK comedy circuit by storm with his unique style of ridiculous anecdotes. And now he's sat here with us. But I just also want to add, he might be one of the nicest people I've ever met in comedy. And you will see why when he asks his question. But it is an absolute pleasure to introduce to the podcast, Mr. Ed Hedges. 
Hey, mate. How's it going? Good. This is nice, isn't it? Thank you. You're trying to get like some kind of quasi-therapeutic aesthetic here. I'm worried I'm going to start opening up about my mum. We are here for you to open up about your mum. No okay. question is too probing or too awkward. Not for me, anyway. No? Yeah. So if you need to talk about your mum, get it out. I don't know if anybody has any background on the Edipal complex or anything like that, but I'm sure that this great audience will chip in. Or oh, they've got their own issues they want to bring up, and that's fine too. We're just going to have to talk about your mum now, aren't we? We can talk about my mum if you want. I don't think she listens to this podcast, if I'm honest. What? But as long as I'm staying out of trouble, it's her main thing. And mine. Um, yeah. So, Ed, before we... We'd like to pose the questions from our audience to our guests as well. Ed, why do you think that Brits complain about the weather so much? <sighs> Because we're not very good at sport. And the weather is the prime out for sport, right? Like, what are our main sports? Let's go. Uh, football? Yes, but not on an international scale. All right, darts. We, we must kill it at darts. I think we do well with Australians, but the commonality there is the alcoholism. Okay. We've got to be proud of something. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. One, one applaud yeah. for alcoholism. Nice to see some patriotism for what? <laughs> I think we just like complaining. But I feel like we need to get to a point where we direct our frustrations as people to the people that we should be complaining about but that's another conversation for another podcast coming very soon in any case Ed it is a pleasure to have you here thank you for having me if you or any of the audience here are not sure how the format of this show works typically we like to pose a question to our guests which we discuss for about 15 minutes Howard Cohen would then pose a question but he's not here because he has explosive diarrhea <laughs> and then uh, I like to pose a question to you which we discuss and then we like to tell our amazing listeners here where they can find out about your good works past, present and future that's what we normally do, but because it's a very special live recording and you're a very special guest at a very special festival with a very special question, we'd like you to pose what we like to call a golden question, which we're going to discuss for about maybe 30 minutes of some change. Ooh. And I'd also like to get some feedback from the audience. And I feel when you guys hear this question, you'll want to contribute. Do we all consent to maybe contributing towards this live recording of this podcast? Yeah. Right. I take your blinking and breathing as tacit agreement. So, all right. Well, Ed, the floor or stage is now yours Thank to you. ask your question. Thank you very much. Um, so, I had to think of a question. I racked my brain long and hard. I thought I'd go something close to home. Uh, I'm a man in his late 20s. Anyone else here in their late 20s? All right. Let's hear it for knees that work. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking, and um, probably the closest subject to home for me at the moment is, is love. Uh, and relationships. I think that's a massive part of life. So the question I wanted to ask you, Mr. Baptiste, yeah. is can love last in this age? Can mm. it last a lifetime? Can you be in love forever, forever, ever, forever, forever, ever? It's a good question. Uh, I have to ask, in Howard's uh, absence, what prompted this question, Ed? What influenced you wanted to ask this question in particular? I think it's a, it's a question that I've struggled with. Mm. It's a question that I've always wondered. I have disgustingly happy parents, as I'm sure some people might, um, and they've been in love since they were kids. And these days, I just don't see it. The way we interact, the way we meet people has changed inherently. Everything's based on looks. Everything's very shallow and skin deep. And, you know, I, I, I just see this. I see you as my bastion of advice in life and in this subject. That's such a nice way of saying I'm old and wise. That's really nice. Um, are we focusing the question in terms of love on romantic love or other types of love, familial love and uh, platonic love? For me, I think romantic love is probably the most complex. It has the most moving parts of any love. I don't know if everyone would agree with that, but I think romantic love has the most rules as well. Mm -hmm. And it also has 
I mean, romantic love needs to be based on so many things, right? Like attraction, like monogamy, like uh, age, socioeconomic demographic, at times ethnicity, location. I mean, if we were all to say that we were to meet the actual one, that's impossible, right? Like the world's too big to meet your actual one. So I... I mean, do you think there's a one for everyone? Well, this is the point as well, is that, uh, is there even a one? Um, I want to make sure, I think it's a great question, first of all, Ed. Thanks, so. I want to make sure that the question is relatable. So, uh, make some noise if you are currently in love. Oh, go, oh, go, nice. can we swear? Yeah, we can swear. Oh, fuck yourselves. What yeah. is that? Woo! Uh, make some noise if you may not currently be in love, but you have been in love. All right, so yeah, majority of people are currently in love. That's good, and I uh, appreciate you coming out. Are you in love, Dane? I am currently in love. Currently, the least romantic way to say yeah. that sentence. Well, for now, she's on an FTC contract, yeah, and we'll yeah, review yeah. it in it's the March. A, it's a love internship, which I think that people should operate a lot more. Internship applies an age issue there. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's a very broad internship. I'd like to say it's very diverse. Okay. But there is an age cutoff. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> Um, the reason I say that is because I think people have a number of analogies and we all have kind of affirmations where love is concerned. I think it's, it's a full-time job. Hence the use of the analogy of it being an internship. Um, and I think with all jobs, you will have crests and troughs, but they require you to uh, continually uh, yeah, apply yourself in order to get the best results. No, I mean, that's how it's supposed to work in theory, but anyone that's experienced love knows that's not how it fucking works out. And in fact, love is like a job in that sometimes you'll give your blood, sweat and tears and then get shafted at the end of that. And also sometimes you pay for it. And sometimes you pay for it, <laughs> which is still valid. Not the reaction I wanted, but the one I got. Cool. Not, well, not here to judge, Ed. Not here to judge. I've never... <laughs> okay. So I think for, I think for me, uh, it's, I think when, when having discussions about love, I think it's very important to make a distinction between love and romance. Because okay. I feel like romance as it exists is like a diluted and commercialized version of love that is kind of sold back to us by uh, bigger institutions. And I think because a lot of us uh, buy into the idea of romance over love, we uh, tend to feel like it's supposed to maintain a certain standard or veneer. When I think love or be in the uh, act of being in love, that is an ongoing, dynamic, growing, ebbing and flowing Phenomenon that I guess you can't necessarily put your hands on. Like an idiot's guide. What, what's the difference between romance and love then? Well, love is that the fact that you uh, care for somebody every day and maybe you wake up feeling like this person enriches you as a person and you can see value in that person's presence. Whereas romance normally is that on the February the 14th, you've got to buy flowers and a car to prove that shit. I think uh, love is also distorted in terms of the fact that as we have learned over more recent times... Uh, the media has presented uh, romance in a way that has probably distorted the vision of romance and coupling amongst particularly your generation and Generation Z. Where I always used to remember, whenever I used to watch like rom-coms, like the guy would do something really insidious and kind of misleading and uh, kind of gaslight the protagonist woman at the end. And she'd be like, I can't believe you did that shit. And then he'd go, I only did it because I love you. And then she goes, oh, you love me? That makes lying to me okay. And I always felt that that set a very bad precedent. And I think that's one of the examples of romance. I also think that like romance can be very misleading because it's led particularly a lot of young men to believe that by you presenting what you believe to be a benevolent version of yourself, it should be a given 
that whoever your object of uh, attraction or desire is should respond to that positively. And I think this is why we're seeing the growth of, I guess, what you'd refer as incels and young guys who feel very disillusioned by the idea that they're supposed to be the nice guy. And in the end, I guess, the women they're pursuing are supposed to acquiesce to being with them because they're nice guys. And I think romance has misled people to think that just because you may have what you perceive to be love towards somebody, that they're supposed to reciprocate that. And that's not always the case. Okay, so that being said... Yeah? Would you agree that love grows over time? Two people can start off as friends, eventually grow to love each other? Yeah, I think so. But I think, I think that, you know, again, we shouldn't necessarily... We don't necessarily have to make a distinction between that type of love because I think platonic love is definitely a type of love and I think there's a lot of people in here who may have experienced love or might be in a romantic relationship, but you'll have maybe friends or family members or even colleagues that you have a very strong love in platonic bond with, sorry. And uh, yeah, occasionally that can tend to grow and blossom into maybe a romantic type of love. But um, yeah, I think the problem begins is when we either try to prioritize those types of love over one another or we kind of expect one to come from the other. And the way that kind of plays out in a much more relatable scenario is sometimes when you get into a long-term relationship, your partner might be jealous of the relationship you have with your close platonic friends. And I think it's important for people to understand that it's not the same. Even though they can still elicit the same amount of emotion, it's not the same type of love. Or like, you know, the love you might have for a family member like your mom or dad, it's very different to the one you're going to have for a partner. But it doesn't mean that because you have the presence of one in your life, you have to discount the other one, is what I believe. Okay. So far as love lasting a lifetime, and the reason why I speak about romance is because I think the problem with human beings and our understanding of love is that we tend to treat it as a commodity. And when we normally say that we are in love, it's like we found someone and that person is a part of us, so we have that love. And so when it tends to go sour and maybe we, and you break up or have an uncoupling, as it's called then people feel that they've lost love or they've lost something. And I think the problem is that love is something that we should experience. And a lot of the time when we are, are in love, when we're describing that emotion, like we love it, it's all, in, it's all engrossing. It can make you feel very different on basically a biological and a psychological level. And then when we tend to lose love, we're like, we have almost like bias remorse. So you have a lot of people like, I'm not going to be in a relationship anymore because I've been hurt too many times. And I think the problem comes is when people try to treat love as if it's something that you can uh, harness. Okay. Which is a lot of problem with human beings all the time is that we take so many things that have been given to us, whether it's by a creator or whether by the merit of nature itself, and we try to compartmentalize that into a box that way it's easier for us to understand. Right. Uh, I'm personally of the belief that uh, God is love. <laughs> That's my understanding. I, I say God is love because it is a, uh, an energy or a connection that transcends gender, transcends race, can transcend age. And uh, yeah, no one should be able to own something that is as big and benevolent as we describe love. So the idea that any of us can hold on to it for as long as a lifetime, is a, it can be a very big ask. Yeah, definitely. But then would you? sometimes you meet people that are just obsessed. Yeah. They're completely obsessed with each other an expert in the other person they know exactly what they're going to say at each moment do you think that is love or do you think that's just becoming an expert in human behavior and patterns like well yeah i think it could be a mixture of both because it's one thing to know and predict someone's movements and know who they are not what they're going to do but whether or not that you appreciate that or you value that is something very different 
And I guess it goes back to a very basic uh, affirmation about if you love something, you should let it go, etc. And if it comes back to you. And I think that's based on the fact that even if you know somebody, part of knowing that person involves understanding, maybe sometimes even if they don't, that their personal growth and development as a human being is important for them to be a better person in love. Okay. That's what I believe anyway. Mike, so here's where I get stuck sometimes. So you love, you love, do you have siblings? I have siblings. Okay, and you love them? Yeah, now. That's a good question. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good extra question. So I have two siblings. I have a twin sister and I have an older sister. And okay. my relationship with my twin sister has not always been the best. Okay. And for a long time, I would have to wonder if I do love my sister. And yeah, it made me question love in terms of the fact that is it a part of cultural or familial obligation that I love my sister or I find something to love about her? Yeah. I feel like as time has gone on and in my assessment of that relationship and relationships in general, I actually learned that it's not that I didn't love my sister. I think the relationship we had made me hate the way that I felt about myself. And I think that's normally the issue a lot of time with love is that it's not the question of you struggling to love somebody. It's how maybe their treatment of you affects your ability to self-love or how it makes you feel about yourself. Okay. And so I think my sister and I had an estranged relationship and that made love very hard because I'd be like, she brings out a side of me that I don't necessarily like and she might not always be the catalyst for that. There might be a lot of history behind that, but it made me feel like, oh man, like why I'm always pissed off and it's, it's changed a lot since then and I think what I've done instead is that found the parts of her I'm able to love and really I think in any loving exercise and this is myself personally again I would welcome anybody to uh, you know alter, offer an alternative viewpoint on this but I always felt like the way I'm able to love people more effectively is to observe the aspects of myself that I might struggle to love and work on enriching and accepting those so if I see those same flaws in other people I'm able to look past them Okay, so your your ability to love externally is based on your ability to love internally. Yeah, and I think and I think that is the main part of how I'd answer your question is that the only love you'll probably only ever experience for a lifetime is self love, and I think that's important because then it sets a standard for a how you treat other people and how you expect to be treated. Because I think any kind of acts of malice that people project towards other people has to be observed inside yourself first mm. before you project on other people. Like, for you to say something mean to someone you're supposed to be in a relationship with or you're supposed to care about, you would have to have observed it within yourself first before you say it. Because otherwise, where else would it come from? That's why, you know, when people are in love or they're in their honeymoon period, they can't find a bad word to say about someone they're in love with because they're in the honeymoon period. And, you know, but then as time goes on, then probably it's a lot easier to see flaws as time goes on and stuff like that. So I always feel like the only way you're only able to identify a flaw is if maybe you've seen it yourself or you've seen it maybe in an earlier part of your life. That's my very complicated answer. Do you think it's possible to properly love another person if you're not completely down with who you are and all your faults and all your bad bits and all that? Yeah. I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I wouldn't advise it. (laughs) And the reason why is because when you do uh, maybe have some love or self-love lacking within yourself, then you'll go in a normal human pathological behavior of trying to fill that void with something else or somebody else. Right. And that can be fine. And, you know, a lot of time people say somebody completes me. But I think if you're dependent on somebody else to complete you, you are really setting yourself up for a risky loss. Because if for any reason, whether it's benevolent or it's uh, malevolent, that somebody can't be around to love you presently, 
the effect it can have on you could be quite devastating. And uh, especially a lot of people that have dealt with abandonment probably will be able to attest to that a lot more than I can. That, you know, when you feel like there's an aspect of love missing from your life and you become dependent on finding that love or it's more diluted form of attention or validation from elsewhere, that in itself can be a very toxic pursuit. So a question I had to also ask you. Um, can, I, this- can I interject? And I feel like, Ed, part of your question you're asking me is, am I ever going to get over it? Yeah, yeah, that's the question. <laughs> and it's a good question. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, because that's the first question I asked the first time I experienced heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. Is how the fuck I'm ever going to get over this shit? Uh, give me a cheer if you experienced heartbreak before. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. all of us. Yeah. I thought everyone was happy. Oh, well, right. But the thing is, it's an interesting point. I think a lot of the time, the, haps- the happiness that people are experiencing now has so much more uh, profoundness because of the fact that they've experienced loss before. It's like people say, like, you can't really experience joy unless you felt pain before. And I feel like the ability to love somebody is massively enriched if you've experienced heartbreak before. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of a whole really wanky do unto others as you do unto yourself. You wouldn't keep continuously comparing then? Yeah. But this this um, this is what we all do, I suppose. Yeah? Yeah, especially where love is concerned. We all want to compare love and find out if the love we have or if we're missing out on something which is why I, I feel like self-love is the most important okay okay um, and, I, and I also believe the reason why I say it is because as I said I don't believe I think love is an energy that is exchanged between people and that allows for the experience to happen and because of that I feel like the reason why I feel like self-love is important is because then it's self-sustaining okay and it also means that you are less uh, apprehensive about getting involved in another loving relationship again because I feel like people's fingers get burned proverbially when they experience heartbreak and that can put us off taking the risk of doing it again. But, you know, with any transaction, it's always high risk and high rewards. And I feel like the more love you have for yourself, the more you have to give. But, it's also, but it also means that you're able to sustain if, like, you know, that love is rejected. Okay. So what do you feel like the landscape of relationship, human relationship in that context looks like moving forwards? Because at the moment we're in a time of everything kind of being swiping based entirely on looks. Like if you asked any, I don't know, 16, 17, 18 year old now what dating is, it would entirely be a physical thing. Very little of it would actually be what someone's like as a person or Mm. it's with Tinder and Bumble and Hinge and all the other words everything's based on the immediate the physical and that means that connections that our parents had potentially are long dead at least that's how I feel I don't think I'm going to see a relationship like my parents have got in my generation I don't see it in my friends certainly and the ones I do see it kind of in are people that met you know when they were out and about like my parents did but it was a different landscape then and it gave a different product I feel like the product at the moment that we see a lot of is a very skin deep kind of love I don't see a lot of proper love as I call it well I don't call it that you are definitely getting close to your 30s Ed now you're discovering that (laughs) the world of casual sex is just superficial (laughs) oh it's so boring isn't it that shows evolution it means you're growing as growing into manhood and I'm proud of you first of all when I say I'm saying that (laughs) Um, I've I've actually got quite limited experience when it comes to the world of online dating anyone here do online dating there was literally one yep for the listeners at home (laughs) how are you finding it is it good no. no. Okay. Have we, have we got a microphone? Um, we can bring this lady, please. What's your name, is? Rosie. Welcome to the show, Rosie. Uh, so please give a round of applause to Rosie. 
Rosie, thank you so much for contributing. We wanted to get people involved because the conversation is about love, which I think is the most relatable topic that we could come up with. Uh, so just a couple of questions for you, Rosie. Um, so Ed basically has asked the kind of love lasts throughout the age or a lifetime in uh, the contemporary landscape of love, sex and relationships. I think it's a very subversive way of him saying, will I ever find someone I can fucking love again, Dane? Um, this is but, brutal on me, isn't no, it? it's not brutal. Listen, <laughs> the only reason I can say it like this is because I've been there. And I think everyone has actually been there. So trust me, I've been sitting in a seat when someone goes, you'll get over it. And I go, how fucking dare you say something like that? Because you feel like if you were able to get over something so quickly, then that love wasn't as profound as you thought it was. But that's not how it works. But enough from me, Rosie. So far as your experiences on online dating, are you are you actively looking for love through dating? No, not no. At all. Cool. Congratulations. <laughs> and uh, is that is that because you're using dating sites, or is this not a place you're in uh, life wise at the moment? No, I just don't have the capacity for it. I work too much. I just don't don't have time for it. Don't have time for love? No. But you love your job, apparently. I do. I absolutely love my job. Well, that's a form of love then. Mm, and I love my family and I have that in my life. There you go. So you have a family in love and, I, and, yeah. and you are confident that's something that will last a lifetime? Absolutely. Do you think because you have that as a focus, that other aspects of love might suffer or are you fine where you are? Yeah, I do feel like people around me who uh, interact with me in a romantic way do suffer because of that. Is that something you want to change or are you are kind of happy at the moment? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, that's very helpful. Thank you very much, Rosie. Round of applause, please. So, there you go, Ed. That's an example of somebody where, not not experiencing romantic love at the moment, but it's because Rosie has love in other areas. And the reason I say this as well is because one of the things that came about for me after having my first major heartbreak was I started doing stand-up comedy. Really? Is that yeah. your origin story? I think for a lot of time, for a lot of people, it's like, you know what? I've got a lot of free evenings because someone don't love me anymore. Okay. <laughs> and it was, some, it was funny. It was something I discussed with my ex. And, uh, you know, she was very enthusiastic about it. And we kind of broke up. And I really thought about how much time I put into that relationship. And I think everyone can do this the first time with love. The first time you experience that all-encompassing love is like, I have to put my all into this. And then someone older and wiser tells you, you shouldn't just depend on this alone. You know, it could go wrong. And you go, how fucking dare you talk about my love that way? But they were right. And um, yeah, as I said, I found that I had a lot more free evenings. And I asked myself the existential question. Maybe if I put all of my time and effort and love into something that I guess serves me, who knows where it can go? And so the rest is the present. But at the same time, it's meant that, you know, I've had enough experience with that, but I'm still not open to want to, you know, experience love again. Yeah. So, yeah, it can work. Slight offset of that. Yeah. Slight offset. Um, so, obviously, Rosie told us about love for family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Would you... I see, in my opinion, that kind of romantic love, that kinship... Yeah. That is an intrinsic part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Uh, it's about family or um, platonic love? Of, of, a, of a platonic... Is, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think love and family love is because we're a social species as well. And it might be the way we try to describe our connection with other human beings, especially human beings that share our DNA. But yeah, I think it's something that I, I think in some cases it can last. But then at the same time, I want to make it very clear that I don't think that someone being related to you predisposes them for your love. Yeah. Oh, well, see, I think I think that I think they're two completely different things and they're given the same word. That's yeah. what my opinion is. My opinion is that love for a family is a completely different thing. It's not love. That's like yeah. pack. But, That's like your, your pack. Yeah, but at the you same know? time, like I said, I have a twin sister. We were born on the same day. 
There's not been, she ain't been in my pack for a very long time <laughs> up until recently and uh, she won't mind me saying that but yeah now we have a loving relationship to an extent but to be quite honest it's, it's almost like meeting a new relative because so long we were so estranged that it's only now we're getting to know each other as people right so, okay. it, so I don't think I don't think someone having the status of being your family member necessarily predisposes them to be someone that you love but I think at this point I would like to open up the conversation yes. to the audience, especially with love is concerned. Oh, that is a big hand There's in there. A big air. hand going up. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. First of all, uh, what's your name? Please introduce yourself to the tent. My name's Kelly. Hi, guys. Kelly? Yes. Okay. Can we give Kelly a round of applause, please, everyone? Thanks, guys. Um, uh, quite an interesting one and I think Ed you brought it up earlier um, I just think there's like an aspect missing here so I'd love to get your guys sort of opinions on it yeah um, but you brought up monogamy um, and we're very similar age what do you what are your opinions on polyamory and ethical non-monogamy great question great question right as usual I'm going to let Dane answer first because he's smarter than me and then I'm going to steal three of his points and act like they're mine can I just say when yeah. it comes to like affairs of the heart or love like there's no smart nut, really. Like, everyone has their own aptitude, which will be based on their experience. Oh, so, I've just... got to disagree there. Yeah? Emotional intelligence. I know a lot of accountants that are not intelligent in love. I know a lot of people that aren't very emotionally intelligent, that don't know themselves and don't know what they're actually looking for. They're basing it entirely off of that kind of pre-sold idea that Hollywood give us. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a confusing time to look for it. Yeah. But, um, but I digress. Yeah, but no, I, I agree with you, but I think that's why self-love is important because people have to learn that about themselves. And Nurture said emotional intelligence in order to pick up on what they love about themselves and what they can find in other people. But we do digress. Sorry, Kenny, we're getting back right, right back to it. Um, me, personally, I feel like there are different strokes for different folks. And I think, like I said, because I don't try to attribute love to a particular form or any particular paradigm, it's whatever works for people. Whatever situation allows you to feel loved and valued, I think that's kind of the best one to observe. Um, I think, as I said, I've tried to do a lot of soul searching in terms of my understanding of love. And part of that is that, like, the most painful experiences of losing love is other people maybe standing in the way of me obtaining it or other people getting in the way of my love, including myself. And so through learning, I have... um, I think a big part of that is having love and reverence for other people and have and by that token having respect for whatever other people's situations are. So I feel like again, if someone if a polyamorous relationship alert allows somebody 
to experience the best form of love that they're able to handle and they're able to enjoy, I think that's the best way to go. Because, you know, as I said, the catalyst for someone seeking a particular type of relationship can be so different. Like some people might be like, you know, I've got so much love to give. That's got to go between two people. Or it could be like, you know, maybe someone's experienced a form of heartbreak or trauma, which means that that form of relationship is the most uh, nurturing one for them to uh, have a process of healing or for a process of growth. So for me, it's whatever works for you, really. Whatever floats your boat or whatever, whatever floats your fleet, really. Uh, Ed? Polyamorous relationships. Yeah. Um, great question. Are they just for greedy people, Ed? There you are. Great question. Um, I think it's a bit like socialism. I think it's a great idea. Such a good idea. Polyamorous relationships are a brilliant idea. But you need to be so emotionally intelligent. You need to be so secure in who you are. And you need to be like, you keep talking about self-worth and self-love. Yeah. I think you need such a good, le- like not an unattainable level, but you need to really be like... Um, like good and secure in who you are and and you not gotta be you gotta jealousy. be like fine like if you're in a cinema and you gotta sit on the end yeah 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 you gotta be fine with sitting on the end yeah or eating, you yeah. can't look at a person that sits in the middle all the time and be like fuck that guy why yeah. can't I? <laughs> like, I the popcorn's always cold by the time it gets to me I'm stuck in, the nacho cheese is congealed I hate this polyamorous relationship you can nachos at the cinema no, different question different um, yeah I, th- I think it's a cool it's a really cool idea and I attain to be someone that could could like do something like that but I think in polyamorous relationships and the ones that I've ex- uh, experienced or seen, I've yeah. never been involved with one, but like um, there's always someone that's losing out. There's always someone that feels a little bit harder and, and that's kind of sad. Would you, would you agree with that? Have you seen any truly good polyamorous relationships before? I mean, I don't know what would be a good or bad one, to be honest, because I've never been in one myself personally. I think a good one is two people that get... Or, get complete or, or three. Or, or three. Can you do four? You can do four too. Yeah, you can do four. Okay. There's no limit to a polyamorous relationship, Ed. I thought I didn't realise polyamorous relationship was a number. I thought it was just like everyone. Yeah, it can be everyone, anything. Like this might turn into a polyamorous relationship you at the end be of this in episode. A relationship with billions of people. Well, this That's is the a thing. Busy February 14th, isn't it? You could be, yeah, you could be. I mean you could send an email. <laughs> So that's how it could work. Um, Kelly, thank you so much for your question. Give Kelly a round of applause, Thanks, please, Kelly. everybody. That's a great question. Really man. good. Um, I have another question here. Yes, All right, gents. Hello, sir. Your name, please? Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. Everyone say hi to Paul. Give Paul a round of applause. So my question sort of everyone or a lot of people have fallen in love, right? Yeah. And if you, if you get a dream, you meet early, you fall in love, game over in a roundabout way but what happens if you you know what are your thoughts on falling in love falling out of love in love out of love and that sort of trough peaks and troughs but then if nothing drastic happens and there's no sort of animosity does that maintain love still filter through all your other relationships through life and is that a negative or a positive and what are people sort of thoughts about it's a good question Paul thank really you very good much question. yeah yeah so for those who didn't hear Paul said that you know you can experience love a number of times or be in love and then fall out of love and obviously the process of loving people can have crests and troughs Um, now sometimes you can have an amicable split where you may not feel any kind of loss and is it cool if that love permeates into your other relationships moving forward Ed I'm going to pass this hot loving potato to you that's a big question so I'm going to break it down so the love going through relationships Paul do you mean like if you're with someone and then that kind of ends really amicably and fine and you're still in love with them but then you take that onto the next relationship 
like just like things don't really work out right you just you're in a different part of your life you're in a different place yeah, yeah. doesn't mean that like you still romantically love them but does that love for them negatively affect your other relationships not because you want to be with them but because you have this like imagination of what things could you know like it like flows through like, yeah. you can't just shut it off and it's gone right it's I think uh, so I, I I'm, I'll say that I think that it's all part of the of your human experience isn't it it's all part of what makes you who you are the same way any relationship will leave its kind of footprints in you as kind of wanky as that sounds um, I think it's a good thing I think you should learn and should grow just take it on that's coming from the mouth of a man that is not an expert but I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all do you not at all I mean I wouldn't know what you define as an expert Paul, I wanted to ask kind of what influenced this question. Just various things. Like my, my dad passed away a couple of years, like last year. Um, Condolences. And my mum, yeah. It's, you know, and my mum has met a new guy. Yeah. It's great. You know, they met, my dad met, mum and dad met when they were 16. Yeah. Got married separately. Yeah. Got married again when they were like 27. Mm-hmm. Had me. Yeah. And then, you know, throughout their life, they've been like sort of peaks and troughs, like back together and course, whatever. Yeah, so yeah. Yep. just always wondered like what, whether their previous relationships have always like sort of filtered and impacted their love for each other. Like, oh, and where, so my mum, you know, theirs was a negative sort of experience, I think. But if it's a positive, can it always be a positive or is there always some sort of lingering sort of, ah, oh, yeah. shit, what could have been sort of thing, you know? Like, I uh, feel like um, that's all part of the normal human condition that uh, we, we can have a tendency to make comparisons. And I think that's going back to, as I said about romance, is that because we're always presented with these idealized ideas and aesthetics of what a lo- love should be, that sometimes if it falls short of that, we begin to wonder or our minds begin to wander into a more idealized version of how love should work. Um, I personally feel that, uh, as I said before, love is kind of an experience. And so having one that's different from another and which may appear on the surface to be, appear to be, look a lot nicer or more calm doesn't always necessarily mean that it's better because obviously the loving connection you have with one person can very much vary for another and you might derive different aspects uh, of I suppose love from different phenomena that you do from another relationship um, I think so far as like some aspects of a relationship being bad um, I think again I think it's important because it gives you perspective I think it um, allows you to appreciate future experiences of love you might have further down the line but I definitely think that it uh it can permeate into other relationships. I think it's natural because obviously you love with, tend to love with the same kind of functions, whether you, you refer to your heart or chemical releases in your brain. You love in the same way that you do with other, in, in all your other relationships. So it's definitely going to permeate. I think the only issue would be is if that love that you're observing from a previous point begins to affect your ability to serve the relationship that you're in now. Uh, yeah. I think that's the only issue I would say. But again, we're in a room full of people and I'm not the only expert that's been in love here. But um, yeah, Paul, that's been a great question. Thank you very much. Can you pull a round of applause, please, everybody? Woo. I think that's... I have a question over here. Hi. Hi. Uh, my What's name's your... Mobina. Hi, Mobina. Hi. Um, I would love to know your point of view or your take on the, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, this is my soulmate. Do you really believe we just have one soulmate in life or do you think we have multiple soulmates throughout our life? Good question. First of all, let's give uh, Mobina a round of applause, please, as well. Thank you for that lovely question. Great question. Um, I'm going to first of all start by posing that question to the uh, audience here. Uh, can you uh, give a round of applause if you think you've found a soulmate? 
I love that. I love that energy, sir. Hands up and a round of applause. That's how much you feel about your soulmate. It means a lot. So, uh, Ed, soulmates. How soulmates. do you feel about soulmates? Yeah, I'm a bit of a romantic. I think they do exist, but I don't think they exist on the first time they meet. I think it's compound interest on top of uh, attraction, mutual interests, similar personality types, similar sense of humour. I think sense of humour, we're both comedians, yeah. is so important. You, you, need oh, definitely. To, you need to find joy in the same places in life. Yeah, because laughter is cheaper than restaurants. <laughs> That's so, going to be written on your grave one day. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes you need that. And it's also the best medicine as well. It is. So, um, you know. But it's I, not a vaccine. <laughs> to make sure that's very clear. Um, um, I, I would be inclined to agree, Ed. Now, I guess when you discuss uh, soulmates, Mabina, I think it's important for us to maybe discuss the nature of the soul and what people understand it to be. Um, I don't have the dictionary definition to hand, but I guess most people would uh, perceive a soul to be the most purest or truest spiritual version of self that is the part of yourself or the metaphysical part of yourself that will continue to thrive or exist when the uh, physical self no longer does. So by that token, I guess we're referring to as like an energy and an energy exchange or a sharing of energy between pers- a person or persons. Physically, energy can't be created or destroyed. And by that token, I believe that if we have a soul, that part of us is a part of a perpetual energy, which may or may not come from a collective consciousness and I don't know, you'll have to listen to more episodes to see where I'm going with that. Um, Subscribe. But I feel like by that token, it means that when you are experiencing a connection to another soul, that has no time period. So you can have the, I guess, the expanse of your physical life, sharing that with somebody because you're connected with your souls. Um, but it doesn't mean that you may not have had that same connection previously if you are someone that subscribes to reincarnation. And it also doesn't mean that uh, that takes away from that connection you may have with somebody if you move on to other people. So I hope that kind of encompasses the answer to your question as well, Paul, where, you know, you have had something with somebody, even if you've moved on with something with somebody else, doesn't mean this person previously wasn't your soulmate. A soul is uh, supposed to be something that's infinite and uh, self-perpetuating. So that connection can continue with everyone and I guess really should be with all of the world. So I hope that answers the question to an extent, Rubina. I was just very curious about your viewpoint, so thank you for sharing. My pleasure. Um, another question from this gentleman here. Um, I just wanted to make a comment on it, and I maybe go back on the does love last kind of topic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think um, in terms of our generation, we, we are the instant gratification generation, or maybe I'm a little bit past it now, but with Tinder and Bumble and whatever it is, we constantly are moving on to the next, to the next, to the next. But love isn't something new, but sometimes we treat it as though it's something new. You know, the Greeks had seven types of love from yeah. mania, agape, ludus, you know, the logical type, the plat- platonic type, and which you've already touched upon. Mm-hmm. But I, for me, and I think at times, like yourself, I went kind of like, oh my God, sometimes I would preempt a relationship and end it before it was time to end because I didn't know would it last or would it not last and, and vice versa. But when I found a sense of peace, it was when I accepted that I am the sum of my experiences. Everything that I've gone through is 
there to make the person that I am today. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can do is take a positive step to the next journey. And if I, if you think, for me, what helped is when I think of love as a journey and that you meet somebody and you decide that it's a long road, you're going to be together, you camp by the side of the road, you, you laugh together and you continue. And at each point in your life, what will come is a, you know, a fork on the road and you decide, do you go together on that fork or does one take left and the other one take right? It might end up that that fork comes in very early in the relationship, but it also might end up like your parents, like my parents, that they continue to annoyingly stay together on and on and on and on. To, to point, it makes it like, really, is that possible for me to have a 40-year, 50-year relationship? But it's not about the... For me now, the answer is not about how long it lasts. It's that in the moment, I appreciate it for what it was. And if it does happen to last, then great. But not to overthink it and live in the moment gives me a peace of mind for the time being. I don't know what the answer is going to be in a few years' time. Yeah, that's really good. What's your name? That's good. Shax. Give Shax a round of applause, please. That was great. Shax, I feel like you did my job for me in like three minutes. Maybe even less. I'm afraid I can't pay you, though. But thank you for contributing. That's all self-love, though, isn't it? That's yeah, the definitely. In a... I think that's a very concise way of putting it, because obviously you're asking if love can last a lifetime. Well, it depends how long a lifetime lasts, doesn't it, really? Because you can find somebody that you consider to be your soulmate and then step out in front of a bus. I probably should touch wood after saying something like yeah, that. Yeah, find some. Yeah, there you go. I don't I want the best for you, Ed. But yeah, I think Shatz has brought up a very good point that, you know, it's very hard to try and plot your life depending on how long, how long a love will last. And as I said, going back to it, that obviously love can be an experience and anything you can do is uh, have the experience. And, you know, I guess try to enjoy that as much as possible without being someone that confuses um, something that's growing into an opportunity for instant gratification. As I said, what, what are your thoughts on it, Ed, based I, on what you heard? I think that it's uh, everything you said I completely agree with. Uh, and I, I, th- I think it's intelligent, but I think the uh, level of emotional intelligence, self-love, that stuff, it's difficult. It's difficult. Same with the uh, polyamory. Yeah. Is that, was that, is that that's, that's uh-huh. polyamory point. I think you need to be at a certain level to have that outlook. Yeah. And uh, that's a difficult level to attain. But yeah, but I think it's very similar to comedy in that there are so many aspects of it that it can't be related to you necessarily. You can only experience it. Like, yeah. how many times, like, when you do comedy and people say, what do you do if nobody laughs? <laughs> and you don't really know the answer because no. you don't know what situation may have led to people not laughing at what you're saying. Yeah. But you can only, and, and really, people go, it's only something you can learn from experience. And the same way people go, how do you deal with hecklers? I don't really know how to deal with them until I know what the heckle is, until I've had that experience. Right, okay. And I think the same thing with any kind of paradigm of love you might find. Like, you'll never know exactly what to do because only experience can inform your uh, actions if you choose to uh, you know heed said experience and uh, pay attention to it is what I think but again I, don't, I want this to be more of a democracy than a love autocracy and there's some new people in the tent uh, for those of you just joining us uh, thank you even though you might be here for the next show I'll be there too there is no escaping Dane <laughs> alright thank you <laughs> thank you some family members um, if there's anyone here who is uh, experienced like a first love or a, uh, we'd like to hear from you in terms of how long that lasted and how you felt afterwards in terms of moving forward with love. Or just give us a few points of what you consider 
uh, a healthy love to be. We have a lovely lady in the back who has choose love on her t-shirt. How apt. Nice. She came prepared. Hi. Thanks. I came in really late. But, That's um, okay. Uh, first I... of all, what's your name? Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Can we all give a round of applause to Danielle, please? Hi. Hey, Danielle. I always thought I'd found love. Mm-hmm. And then I know this sounds really, really corny, but I think I only realized, really realized um, what true unconditional love was when my son was born. And it, it's, I'm, I'm not in a relationship anymore, but he's here next to me asleep. Um, but I do really feel like something... He, he saved my life and mm. he, like, sh- he showed me what love really means. And it almost makes me feel like everything else. I, I, I can't feel like I experienced true love anymore. Mm. And, I, and I almost don't know if I'll ever be able to feel it again or match it, what I have with, with him. Interesting point. So I feel like I don't know if I'll ever feel that or no, but I found it in him in like a non-romantic sense. Yeah. And I think that's given me a lot of peace. Yeah. <laughs> I, before I think I was chasing next, 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 whereas now I think, well, all I need is this love. Yeah. This is so, so strong. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and so like deep. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you very much, Danielle. Give Danielle a round can of applause. I, can I ask Danielle a question? Yes. Can I ask Danielle? Danielle, would you, um, would, you, would, you, would you say that the love you feel for your son, which is obviously like yeah. the paramount, yeah. do you think that's the same, the same product as the love you'd feel for a partner? Or do you think they're two separate things with the same name? Because earlier in the, in, the, in the podcast I mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if... I think they're different. Yes, but exactly. I, yeah, but I think for me, yeah. it's, it's now compromised the other I don't know if I could then seek the other anymore and I know they're different yeah. and I'm sure I could eventually in so many years time but for, for now it just feels like something that's so um, it, what, what, I, I don't know I can't explain would the right the other fit around the love that already exists in your life though wouldn't that be like Pot- potentially is it just an extra rule for that love to play by huh potentially yeah like I could use this and what I've learned and what he's taught me yeah. to put that into something else and something new um, but I, I sometimes think that how much love can we hold at any one time when we've got so much going on in our brains? <laughs> and I almost feel like, I don't know, yeah, I, there's only so much that people sometimes can fit in at once. Do you think, I've got a question <laughs> for Dane. Good point. Do you think you can be in love with two people at the same time? Yeah, I think you can. Really? It depends on the kind of love that you have, though, I suppose. Uh, as Daniel correctly pointed out, like, she has a particular type of love for her son which is very different to the love she would have experienced with more romantic pursuits. Mm-hmm. So I guess it is possible to love more than one person. Um, again, I think, as you said before, because love is so distorted in romance, I feel like uh, the expression of love between maybe yourself and two other parties can distort the idea of what people think love is. But I think, I think it's possible to love more than one person because, for example, in Danielle's case, you might have another child. So you have to learn to love more than one person. I mean, you don't have to because I'm the favorite at my house. But but I think think it's important. I think maybe, Daniel, it sounds like you're describing quite a happy distraction. Do do, do you know what? That could probably be right. Yeah. 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 Because you have a focus of something you can pour all of your love into. And I think, and again, I don't want to speak on this because I don't have a womb or children. (laughs) So I would definitely value the feedback. But I think, yeah, that's one of the great things about uh, creating a child and having love is that yeah. you have a focus where I guess the, uh, the stipulations to receive love from a child is very different to the ones you'd receive from a romantic partner. Yeah. Because, you know, a child is never going to opine negatively on your appearance, really, yeah. 
or your weight. They just want your presence kind of there. And if you continue to nurture that, then yeah. that's very different to somebody who uh, affectations towards you might depend on what meal you cook them or yeah. what lingerie you wear and if it matches or not. Uh, which I know are very superficial examples, but, you know, <laughs> just trying to keep it relatively light at this point, everyone. <laughs> Um, but no, Daniel, I, I definitely get it. And you don't feel like you're losing anything by not pursuing romantic love, do you? No, and I think that's the difference. I think before I did, and I always think I needed someone to be happy. Yeah. Whereas now I feel like he fills that, so I don't feel like I'm searching for that anymore. I mean, I'm sure if it did come along, it would be nice, but I feel like now I'm not like, don't think that's necessary for my happiness anymore. Yeah. But I did, I did feel that before. That's good. And, 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 that, and that, that might just be the perfect kind of like serendipity that needed to happen is that now you have yeah. a man that really loves you no matter who you are, Danielle. Yes. And we're happy that you're happy. Oh, you give Danielle a round of applause and congratulations <laughs> on your baby. Um, we don't have much time. Um, but again, for those of you who are just joining us, thank you for coming into the tent. We really appreciate your presence here. Uh, we're trying to join ourselves here in the Forum of Love. Um, and we've been asking people about experiences of love and just uh, for them to give their experiences or have any questions that they may have where love is concerned. Now, it seems, with the exception of my homeboy Paul here, that we've heard very little from uh, the male of the, hu- of the homo sapiens species. Um, but for the sake of balance, we had from Shao and Shats as well. A very good commentary there. Um, so anybody irrespective of whether you believe in binary or non-binary gender, want to offer their opinions regarding love, your comments are most welcome. Or even if you haven't had love and you don't fucking want it. This gentleman here. Hello, what's your name, sir? And thank you, you've been really supportive. Uh, what's your name, sir? Tom. Tom? Hi, Tom. Everyone, give a round think... of applause for Tom, first of all. Thank you. Welcome, Tom. Thanks. Purple Defences here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think love is about understanding the complexities of what love is and that keeps me grounded because like you said there are many ways to interpret it and I do think that there is a wrong word for it in my opinion to describe certain things but like love is almost like a genre of music there are like different types of love and you know everybody's importance of it is varied this is just an opinion so take it what you will but I think overall it does go to actually understanding the complexities that what love is rather than just trying to fight or surrender to what you think or could love be. Yeah, yeah. there we go, I should say. Uh, yeah, I think that says it. Thank you very much, yeah, Tom. Give Tom a round of applause, everybody. Thank you, Tom. As Tom said, rather than you trying to harness and uh, trying to find out what love is, is a... Uh, Definitely about just trying to understand the nature of love anyway. And as I said, for those of you who may have just joined us, I said God is love. And uh, so, yeah, we spend a lot of our time existentially or theologically trying to work out what God is. I guess if God is love, it can be a conversation that can go on for the same amount of time. I love that there's so many people here to have this conversation, but I'm afraid uh, we're going to have to wrap up now. Um, I just want to start by uh, asking you to give a round of applause to my guest, Ed Hedges. Ed... Thank you for coming on the podcast. You know I love you, man, from way back. Love you from way back. And I uh, wanted to ask you if you could tell the amazing people in this tent and our listeners where they can find out about your good works, past, present and future. What are you up to? What are you doing? I am uh, I'm touring at the moment. I'm going to America, which won't be valid, but I'm going to America later on, but I'll be back in December. Um, and Instagram. I only like Instagram because you just put pictures up and it's happy and it's not opinions. It's nice. 
I mean, even that's another conversation for another time, Ed, about how loving Instagram is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Instagram. Instagram yeah, follow uh, Ed Hedges on Instagram. Um, in the meantime, everybody in the tent, thank you so much for attending this live recording of Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. I'm sure Howard Cohen will be very happy that you all came and showed out. Uh, our message is love. Uh, find someone in your life to love or at least love yourself. I think that is the least that you are entitled to do as sentient human beings. And I love you guys for coming and sticking around. So thank you very much. I've been Dane Baptiste. Thank you. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. Hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnaptiste and at the Howard Cohen. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Insanity Group. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.